Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of What to Watch on Netflix. My name is Jed Shepard, and I am your host. Uh, today, I've got a great guest. Uh, you may know him as the host of the Monkey Tennis Podcast. It's Tom Stab. Hello. Hey, Tom. How are you? I'm very well. As uh, the host of Monkey Tennis, <laughs> it's quite an honour and a privilege for you to have me in your studio recording. It is. Returning as well. Exactly. Are yeah, you the yeah. first? Oh, you're the second returner. Right, okay. Um, but the only host of a podcast who's yeah. returning for a... For, for, for an episode that's true your, your underlings uh, haven't returned in fact Tom Dark has never been on right we're calling out Tom Dark right now <laughs> yeah, what have you got like I'm calling you out Tom Dark why haven't you been on the podcast he's it's, a busy guy this is like kind of like old school wrestling promos <laughs> like calling out someone for not, for not coming on a podcast well that's not like a, a wrestling promo but you get what so, I mean I, I've seen some real weird wrestling shows but um, I guess Tom Dark's too busy uh, making tea for Liam yeah, <laughs> I think that's what it is. Uh, we'll just leave that li- without without context. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How have you been? Yeah, really good. Um, we're kind of you know three or four episodes into the new series of Monkey Tennis, and the most recent episode that we put out on Wednesday was probably the the best one in the series so far. So really, yeah, really happy with how, how how they've turned out. So um, yep. yeah, uh, really good. I think the, from um, since the last time you've been on, uh, you did a live show at Comic-Con as well? Yeah, we did. We went up to Manchester to do MCM Comic-Con and we did... Uh, I pretend I don't know I was there. <laughs> so I was on stage. For the benefit the of the people listening who might not listen to Monkey Tennis, uh, yeah, we went to MCM Comic-Con in Manchester and yeah. did a special on uh, uh, Scissor Dial. Um, and we actually, you know, it was a great experience and we, we loved it, but there was so much that we wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to, yeah. to do. So we came back to the studio and recorded a sort of a part two, if you will, of all the stuff that we didn't get a chance to, to talk about because uh, Chris Barry was waiting in the wings. He and... was tapping his watch, <laughs> being an absolute smeghead. He was. <laughs> and um, you've also got another live show coming up uh, towards the end of this year. A seamless plug there. Yeah. yeah I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're going to be doing Knowing Me, Knowing Yule, yep. uh, the Christmas special uh, uh, from the 90s. Uh, we're going to be doing that at the Prince Charles Cinema on the 22nd of November. So if you're free, come yep. on down. Tickets Lon- available now. Yep, in London's Leicester Square, yep. no doubt. At uh, postpoppodcast.com slash live. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be surprises. And also, um, Michael the Geordie, Simon Greenall will Simon be there Simon Greenall too. himself, yeah. So actual Partridge royalty will yes. uh, will, will, will be there. We're, um, we're gonna, Like I said, we're going to do uh, sort of all the usual stuff that we do, dissecting an episode talking about knowing me knowing you all and then we'll bring simon in and we'll do uh, a Q&A with him so you're uh, gonna be nervous because you, you've been like talking basically slamming some bits of of, <laughs> of alan's oeuvre for, for a while i am confident he hasn't listened to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> so we can just say yeah we just say how great it is how you're brilliant all the time i mean he is brilliant all the time he of course is, he yeah. is um but yeah you know we're not we don't pull any punches if there's something we don't think works or wasn't quite as funny and usually quite often um one of us or two of us will have listened to the uh, commentary, the audio commentary that goes with those episodes. And quite often our thoughts and feelings about stuff that perhaps didn't work or we're not such a, a, a fan of yep. kind of goes in line with what with what they think as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and you know, both of us are kind of coming... Uh, us as podcast hosts talking about Alan Partridge and the writers yep. and stars when they're doing these these uh, audio commentaries they're looking at it retrospectively yeah, as well and we're look, and we're looking at it retrospectively as well because yeah. we're just you know we we love doing this podcast and it's getting sort of diving in deep into sort of what works what doesn't work what yeah. we like what we don't like it wouldn't be entertaining unless you were p- picking out like bits that didn't quite work if it was just all yeah I love this bit I love yeah. this bit it wouldn't be quite successful but and I your mean, podcast is successful yeah and 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 sort of 90% of the stuff that has been put out as under the Alan, pra- Alan Partridge name we love and think is great um, and there's a new series around the corner there is so yeah Alan supposedly well not supposedly is returning to the BBC the um, one of the Gibbons brothers who are now the sort of main writers alongside Steve posted a picture on Twitter the other day of the the first page of the of the script mm-hmm. of the new show so they are they're, they're deep in the writing they're process at least on the now. title page that's what, that's, <laughs> well that's they, they've we said Alan Partridge is something and they've blanked yeah. out what the title of the show is going to be but um, yeah we know it's happening that's going to be sort of spring next year although I think they said that there was going to be a special this side of Christmas that's 2017 oh. if you're listening to this in the future um, so we'll, we we will see some Alan this side of Christmas but um, basically you can never stop doing this podcast because I know I know we were thinking we were going to be wrapping it up next <laughs> yeah. year but there's just more and more to do thanks Steve thanks yeah. Rob and Neil Gibbons that Only Fools and Horses podcast will never get done no it'll never get done <laughs> and thank God for that <laughs>
Um, well, let's get on to into format now. Uh, last time you gave some great choices, mm-hmm. uh, but as you know, the format of the show is I give three choices of things to recommend on streaming services. Not necessarily Netflix; can be any streaming service of your choice. Could be Hulu, YouTube, Amazon, obviously Netflix, Shudder, anything you like. Um, and as always, I go first. Well, I I had an idea, Jed. You always go first. I was thinking yeah. maybe we could add some kind of uh, competition into this. Maybe we could do a game of rock, paper, scissor. One round, winner takes all. Who goes? Who wins goes first. What, so not best of three, just literally... Just, just literally just one. Just a ch- wow. ch- one shot, one chance, one opportunity. Okay. Yeah. Um. Um. So it on, it's on three. So one, two, and then show. One, two, three, show. So after three? Yes. Okay, can I ask you three questions before this? Okay, yes. Because I, I can work out what you're going to do based oh, on these questions. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what is your favourite colour? Blue. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you go to sleep? Are you a light sleeper or are you a heavy sleeper? I am a light sleeper. Okay. And if you had the choice out of lemonade... Or orange juice, what would you pick? Ooh, is it fresh orange juice or is it cordial? Fresh orange juice. I would go fresh orange juice. Interesting. Yeah. You've made me change my mind now. <laughs> okay. Okay, ready? And if you listen back to this, you'll kind of see what I've done there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got no idea what you've done. Okay. Okay, ready? So after three. Yep. Okay. One, two, three. It's the same. It's the same. One, two, three. It's the same. One, two, three. Oh, and I win Jed once wins. again. And just to confirm, I've never lost. And did you hear a previous episode where I said um, I won a paper, scissors, rock tournament earlier this year? No, but yeah. a tournament this yeah. year. Can you tell me a little bit more about um, that? It was a charity day that I did, um, and there was two hundred people doing paper, scissors, rock. Um, and basically, you beat people, and it whittles <laughs> down to two. And I was telling people, I've never lost this. I can't lose this game. Um, and I won, and I was celebrating like it was Rocky. Wow. <laughs> well, I've just seen your technique now, so I reckon if we do a rematch one day, like in years' time, the big rematch, the one that everyone wants to see, I'll beat you. Just just don't answer any questions if I ask you any. We're not too far away from the O2 now. Shall I That's see if, they, <laughs> see if they've got a, a, a date available for the big rematch? We should do it. We should do that. Um, okay, so I start, because I'm the host, and I won the Paper, Scissors, Rock <laughs> did, tournament, yeah, yeah. which is great. Um, I'm going to start, because it's coming up to Halloween, it's, it's kind of apt that I've picked three relatively spooky mm-hmm. choices today um so let's go with my first choice my first choice is a 2016 horror film called beyond the gates okay do you know anything about this i do not know okay so beyond the gates um it's an american film and it's a, it's very strange and it's kind of it has the aesthetic of an 80s film even though it was made in 2016 okay. um which is quite on trend now exactly. for a lot of films strange and TV things shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. etc okay so it's a recent film it's a recent film mm-hmm. um and it's about do you, do you remember those Right, right next to us we've got a box full of the um, atmosphere games yes oh god absolutely love atmosphere exactly and the first atmosphere game was called nightmare um not to be confused with the citv also great tv show yeah also great um and in that game from the this game was from the 90s it's uh you basically put a vhs into your video and you have a board game in front of you and you mm-hmm. follow the instructions on screen yep. and you might die you might not <laughs> but you have to uh kind of face your biggest fears etc this film is based on that game in a very loose way mm-hmm. so it's about a cu- couple of brothers their dad's just died um and they're going back to his uh video shop which he owned to kind of clean up clean up stuff and is it set in the 80s no set right now. okay I said now. So they're back there in the video shop and they find find in his VHS in his VCR in the back room um a beyond the beyond the gates basically this uh VHS board game. And they're like, "Oh, we should play this for a uh, for for fun basically and to remember our dad because it's a game mm-hmm. that they played when they were a kid." Uh, little do they know this game is essentially haunted um, and the things that happen in the game happen in real life mm-hmm. so people who die in the game also die in real life um, and I I think it's um really interesting concept it's a, basically like a low budget Jumanji mm. yeah oh god I love Jumanji <laughs> I love Jumanji um, do you know what I wasn't too sure about the the remake Jed it looks awful but I saw a trailer and I was like I'm in no it looks so bad it looks <laughs> terrible Kevin Hart is oh he's terrible in everything yeah. Did you no. know he's short? I don't know if he's mentioned it before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it stars Barbara Crampton, who has uh, been in uh, a ton of great, great 80s horrors. And Would I recognise her if I saw a picture of her? You probably recognise her from the 80s. She's right. a very, very pretty... Um, 
uh, lady. So sort uh, of horror movie, sort of yeah, royalty sort of thing. She is, yeah. yeah. And she always does like Comic Cons and like yeah, horror yeah, cons, yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah. And she plays the kind of gatekeeper in this um in this VHS game. So she's the person that pops up on screen saying, mm-hmm. uh, pick up a fake card or move three places, etc. Um but yeah, it kind of dawns on them very slowly, in fact, that people around them are dying and they need to the only way to stop people dying is they need to finish the game. But mm-hmm. the game kind of wants them to all die um so i'm not going to give any spoilers but it's a really interesting concept and it's kind of it's successful in most ways um i don't think a fan if you weren't a fan of the original game i don't think Mm. you'd be into this film at Mm. all to Mm. be quite honest because it's very specific uh but if you were even remotely interested in those uh, vcr video games of the 90s or 80s then this is definitely the film for you is it is it a gory horror is it more like yeah, a, okay. it's gory yeah. it's gory but i mean there's a slight com- comedic element to it a bit like kind of evil dead 2 mm. style gore um but yeah but i thoroughly recommend it for those people who are into this type of thing and like the vhs vcr culture is kind of growing yeah, strong yeah, as well of course um, I was just looking at the Wikipedia page for it. It's got an eighty percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's so been... really well received and really well sort of critically reviewed. Exactly, it's because I think the people who who are film reviewers were geeks in the nineties. They so love that stuff. This is exactly yeah, right yeah, on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you take it to a normal person in the street, when I say normal, I mean people that aren't obsessive over films yeah. and, and things and horror. Or the eighties. Or the eighties. <laughs> then um, this might might pass you by, but yeah. it is available on Netflix, um, and um, it's worth a watch just a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Nice little scare. Um, and that's my first pick of what to watch on Netflix. Excellent. Tom Stab, what is your stab in the dark? Okay, so I have gone for something that I watched as recently as Saturday. So it's quite fresh in the mind. Okay. Um, so it's kind of why I, I wanted to do this. Um, well, also because I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's uh, called Five Foot Two. It's the Lady Gaga documentary that has just gone. Uh, it's a Netflix documentary. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would never watch this unless someone told me. I should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you a bit about it um, now. Like, okay, I am a Lady Gaga fan. I think she's great. I was mm-hmm. not, I was not particularly into the most recent album, Joanne, which came out last year. I think. Okay. Um, it didn't do much for me. It was kind of a uh, more of a stripped back. Um, it wasn't a sort of as in your face pop, yeah. uh, bells and whistles, which is was what she's known for, which is what yeah. she's known for, for being sort of very over the top. And I think it was kind of a, uh, a reaction to the album before the last one, art pop, not quite connecting in the same way okay. that the previous two yeah. had. Okay. So I think as a direct reaction to that album, not doing particularly well and that persona that, that went with that album, she stripped it right back. So a lot of the sort of, um, uh, creative direction in the way that she dressed and, and the artwork was uh, actually quite reserved. She was okay. just kind of going around wearing jeans, boots, and a white t-shirt, and sometimes a hat. Okay, um, sort of Madonna from the eighties, or like a, yeah, 80s, a little bit. Yeah. And and she kind of, uh, I think that was kind of a direct reaction to to to. She did. She wanted to do what people didn't necessarily expect her to yeah. do, which I think you know is what all artists strive to do once they become successful for. A, a thing or a yeah. style they want to subvert that and they want to and when you say the ad, the previous album didn't do mm. as well it was still like well, number oh, one, oh yeah don't get me wrong Com- yeah. like commercially it would have done solidly yeah, yeah. I, I think uh certainly from the fame uh the fame the fame monster which was kind of the album that came in between album one and two and then the second album born this way both of those were hugely commercially successful Art pop, I mean, in a world where in terms of the music industry, there's diminishing returns on on physical album sales, yeah. um, did okay, but not okay. not in the same league as, as those previous ones. To add a bit of context, just looking at um, Wikipedia now, um, these these figures are uh, might be slightly out of date, but give you a rough idea in terms of the scale. The Fame sold 15 million copies worldwide. Mm-hmm. Born This Way did 6 million copies worldwide. Okay. Art Pop did 2.5 million copies worldwide. Ah, so wow. I think there was a, a little jump. bit of a reaction to, to to that. Like that is that is a that is a drop. I mean, in terms of, I think the year that Art Pop tour she was the highest grossing like musical artist of that year. Like yeah. she still sold out arenas and stadiums and, and, and whatnot. So um, this album's a, a bit more stripped back. Going back to the, to, to the documentary. So it, it covers the, the year in the lead up to the release of this, this fifth album, Joanne, and also her Super Bowl halftime show, which was right. February this year, 2017. Okay. 
Um, so it, it sort of tells that you come into it sort of they're they're well into the writing process. Yeah. Um, they're at Shangri La Studios, which is Rick Rubin's um, yeah. uh, recording. Com- it's almost like a complex. It's like it's it's in Malibu. It's on the beach. It's beautiful. But it's like nice. all these sort of individual recording studios, and she's in there with um, Mark Ronson okay. um, and another um, producer called Blood Pop, and who features a little bit, but it's mostly. It, it's mostly her and Mark Ronson working on this album yeah. together and you get the the sort of like I said that you come in quite a far quite a way into that recording process right okay um and then also uh coming up to the sort of the, the release of the single the album the the promotional schedule for that and then the news that she gets offered the half, uh, Super Bowl halftime show right, and then okay. the last sort of Third of it is about the build-up, the release of the album, and then the build-up towards this Super this Bowl. Super Bowl halftime show, which is obviously is kind of like the biggest deal for for, for any, artist, for any yeah. artist is to do the Super Bowl halftime show. There's not much bigger than that, yeah, that I can think of. So, the, so, the, so the issues I always have with um, these um, uh, kind of biographies mm-hmm. is how much of it is real, how much of it is staged. Like, is there any point in it where she kind of like? like has a hissy fit but you feel like oh she's just doing this for camera so she looks like there's different shades to her so i went into this documentary thinking i i have a perception of what lady gaga is and that is as a performer and as a singer and as a pop star um and as someone that i've you know i've seen interviews with and you've seen her in these incredible dresses and these ridiculous dresses and outfits and things like that and i think you have a perception of this person of perhaps being really at their own ass really pretentious um and i think uh, and and uh, a huge ego yeah and i think you have to have elements of those to be a performer and i think you i think it would be it's rare that those kind of traits don't develop with those artists when they get to that sort of level, because, you yeah. know, they have a certain expectation of how things should be done. They have a certain expectation of how, uh, of how they want to communicate through their art and how they want to present their art, whether that's, you know, um, through a stage show, through a, 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 a t-shirt design, through a dance routine, yeah. through the music, etc. So you go into that thinking, okay, I think I know, I have an idea of what Lady Gaga's like. I'm interested in finding out whether my preconceived idea, ideas of what she's like line up with reality. Yeah. And of course, with all these documentaries, mm-hmm. ultimately the person who signs off on whether they want it to go out or not yeah. is the person the documentary is being made about in, yeah. this, in this situation. So they do have ultimate creative control. Although I did read something on IMDb that said that she never actually saw the finished version until it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> maybe <laughs> she not. She seems like a control maybe freak. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't... You, you don't, you don't yeah. know. And I also, w- you don't know how much of it is, is put on, but... I would if I was, if there was a biography about me, I would stage as hell. You would start with me in a hospital, like feeding sick kids. And just be like, oh, so you guys caught me in the act. So what? So what I will say is that um, you you see her struggle with this chronic pain, which is yeah. um, caused by the onset of. I'm going to try and pronounce this fibro, fibromyg. Galia, fibromegalia, something like that, which is basically, Bless you. thank you, after breaking her hip, she broke her hip and okay. basically she's suffered chronic pain since that manifests itself um, sort of all the way from her foot on her right side, all the way up into her chest and then in her arm and in her, to her jawline and her face as well. Wow. And for someone who dances for a living. Yeah, of course. Hard, yeah. So you see her quite a lot in absolute agony, sort of getting massaged and and getting these knots and and pains knocked out Mm -hmm. and you can go right okay either either that's genuine or she's the best actress in the world (laughs) and i know she's an american horror story but come on Um, she's not definitely not she's definitely not the best actress in the world um and uh, you kind of you kind of see her going through all this like chronic 
pain and having to get all this, you know, she, she's very aware of the fact that, you know, she's in a position of privilege because she's like, my face is on fire. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in absolute agony and I have no idea if I, how I would have no idea how to fix this yeah. if I wasn't in a position of privilege where I had people on my payroll who could come in and give me all these massage and all these physiotherapists and stuff like that. Yeah. So she, she, she knows that, you know, this isn't a right that she has. She's like, I don't know what I would do. I'm in so much pain, but um i'm in a position of privilege to be able to look after myself mm-hmm. um there's it's 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 pretty candid um i think i don't remember seeing a documentary about an artist where i've seen someone so focused and determined uh in their art and you know wanting it to be right and um just so just so clear minded about what she wants to do and how she wants it to be done, which I think is admirable. Mm-hmm. And then also on the flip side of this, you get this you get this insight into her as a person, and she is really vulnerable and really lonely. Like she's yeah. she's got she's got a kind of she's got abandonment issues because she's like, I sold 15 million records and my mm-hmm. boyfriend left me. I sold six million records and then my uh, next boyfriend left me. Yeah. I sold however many records on my next album. And I'm not my... sure what's to do with the record sales. <laughs> but I mean, like she's like, I'm, 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 I'm selling loads I'm, of albums. I'm selling yeah. loads of albums, and she's getting bigger and bigger as a, as an as an artist. Yeah. And the bigger she gets, like, and when she's at her peak, her she she was engaged, and that breaks down. And you kind of see a little bit of insight into that. Yeah. So she's you know she's clearly quite a vulnerable person, and she like she she says this and there's this really beautiful bit where she's performing at Tony Bennett's 90th birthday or birthday. And she does a stripped back version of, um, uh, bad romance. And you see her beforehand, like getting all these treatments and like, she's in absolute agony, but she goes out and they show this, this clip of her of of performing, um, bad romance stripped back. And it is incredible. Her vocal is incredible. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and yeah, and there's a bit, towards the end where they're do they're going they're about to go on stage for the last dress rehearsal for the Super Bowl. Yeah. And she's like doing a sort of almost like team talk to her dancers. Madonna style in yeah. Yeah. And you're you see it in her eyes like how focused and and ready she is. Like Mm -hmm. she's so prepared and knows exactly what she's doing and just wants the best from everyone else to 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 visit to 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 do the same really mm-hmm. and you're like fuck yeah i'd follow you into battle gaga you're <laughs> you're like that it's quite inspiring yeah. and i really really enjoyed it um well yeah you've convinced convinced me for sure i think it's yeah. i think it's definitely worth watching because it's it's interesting to get an insight into the life or the and the preparation of an artist at that level yeah. and she's so committed to her fans like she does all this stuff for like when she's on the promo trail for 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 the new album yeah. doing all this stuff for local radio for radio stations like meeting competition winners and meeting fans and signing everything and there's yeah. one bit where I forget where she is I think she's mastering the album yeah. and she goes from the building where it's being mastered to um the car mm-hmm. and there's no there's no talking over the, uh, there's no talking over it. She's not talking. You yeah. only hear, there's no music. You only hear the voices of the people trying to get photos of her, like Gaga, like shouting yeah. at her, papping her. And the camera stays on her the whole time. And like, that is a walk of maybe five feet, 10 feet, yeah. but she's absolutely hounded. And that's just a little insight into mm-hmm. 30 seconds. Yeah of what it's like it's such a noise of people shouting at her asking for photos it's like me at an ash gig exactly or a, or a comic con yeah. like people people calling her mummy and yeah, stuff like that's that not, that's yeah and then you get into the car and then again there's no one talking for about 30 seconds so it's like this cacophony nice. of noise nice, yeah. to absolute silence and it's yeah. the, like the the contrast of that it's a re and also above all else it's a really well-made documentary yeah. and beautifully shot fantastically shot um so i really recommend it and even as someone who's not if you're not a gaga fan just a little insight into what it's like to be a personality or Mm -hmm. uh, a pop star at that level of 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 fame and fandom is really interesting a couple of other um uh uh, film biogs that that i love i love abba the movie i don't know if you've ever seen that i've not no it's genius and i really like abba so yeah i should it's it's basically half real half fake and it was um 
uh, it kind of preceded their all the breakups of their of their marriage, mm. and it's about them arguing on an, on an Australian tour mm. while they're on actual tour. So you get all the bits where all the, the crowd screaming at them and them playing gigs, but also you get them backstage, like not speaking to each other, mm. and probably how it was most of the time. Are there any Fleetwood Mac documentaries like around rumors? Because um, I was reading about that recently. There's about... only kind of um, after the facts ones. Right. There's, there's about 15 VH1. Uh, <laughs> things about, yeah, but they're all great. They're Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Someone needs a Fleetwood Mac film. Um, but yeah, and the other one is uh, Gaza the Real Me, which which is a great. If you've got that, on oh VHS. no, that's not that. I've is that one the one that's on Netflix or is that? Oh no, One Night in Turin. I think that might oh, be One Night know. in Turin. It came out on VHS in like right, the okay. um, early nineties, I think, and uh, so it's a great VHS. Yet to see him uh, making a, a fried egg sandwich. <laughs> um, so <laughs> similar to the, to yeah, the yeah, yeah. documentary. And finally, yeah, that isn't yeah. that's a Netflix documentary, so yeah. only available on Netflix, nice. but worldwide. Perfect. Uh, great. Uh, my next choice of what to watch on Netflix um, is a film that came out in 2014. It's an Austrian horror film. Now, mm-hmm. usually the Austrian films will probably pass most people by, but this particular one kind of set the um, the world, well, the horror world at least, and some <laughs> kind of cult film festivals um, on fire. It's available on, on Amazon right now, and it's called Goodnight Mummy. Um, and Mummy's called M-O-M-M-Y. Right. And it's really hard to explain without giving away the whole central thing. But <laughs> Perfect for this podcast then. Yeah. So it's about a mum that comes home from some kind of accident. You don't really know what's happened. Her face is covered in bandages. Right. Um, so you can't, you can't see her. And she's like the main character. And she comes home to, to her twin boys who are uh, these 10-year-old kind of freaky looking boys to be quite honest look look quite scary and and twins and children in horror films aren't usually a good thing and in this case um <laughs> uh, the shining right. exactly what the, do you mean exactly well yeah i mean the, the, i mean i say not a good thing for the characters involved right, because okay. they're always evil oh right so you yeah. mean i thought you meant not a good thing for the film oh no no it's always <laughs> good to stick some, some some creepy twins in there um so yeah so this woman um well you kind of you don't know whether to trust this woman because you've ne- you never see her face. So you, you begin to kind of doubt her. She's acting strange. The twins are talking to, with, with each other and they think, hang on, is this really a mum? We've not seen her face. And the whole film is about them working out if this woman with bandages around her face is her mum, is their mum. And you don't know what to believe because these twins are creepy in, in themselves, but also the woman's a bit creepy as well. And she tells them, don't speak to anyone, don't speak in the house, pull down the blinds, uh, don't let anyone in. And you're just like, what is going on here? Um, and as the film progresses, you get it's just a sense of dread throughout the entire film where you're just thinking, something really bad's going to happen, something's mm. going to be bad. If she's not their mum, then what is her intentions? If she is their mum, then why why is she being creepy? Um, and uh, again, not to give away the ending of the film, but the the final sequence in this film is shocking. Um, where I I can usually predict films very very quickly, um, and I'm quite proud of seeing a trailer and, and figuring out who the killer is straight away. Here, I would didn't expect what was going to happen to happen um so it's really surprising what happens um but then in retrospect after you've watched you're like yeah i could kind of figure that out it's quite similar to um a japanese film i'm not going to say which japanese film it is because if i say the name of that japanese film then you will know the catch in this the kind of (laughs) the hook so is it is it like a is it a plot twist or when you say shocking is it something an act that takes place that is shocking or there's a shocking twist? It's or? a whole sequence of shocking right. things. It, right. There's multiple shocking acts throughout this entire film. Um, for instance, because they don't trust their mum, they tie her up and they sew her mouth shut. Wow! Um, and so and she can't so it's eat. a rom com. It's a, it's a yeah, it's a like Richard Curtis movie for Christmas. Um, but this won a bunch of uh, awards at various different uh, festivals um, because just it was came out of nowhere. And it's pretty shocking. Um, so how old is this film? How old? It's from 2014, okay. and it's directed by um, uh, Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. I'm not too sure what they've done since, but they're geniuses, and I'd pretty much watch anything they, they'd what um, they'd make after this um, i'm just looking at some images from the film on google <laughs> images it looks fucking terrifying Are you looking at the mum with bandages yeah yeah that's just not seeing your own mum how freaky <laughs> is that jed i'm gonna be honest with you i'm yeah. not gonna watch this film <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a this is a, a hard pass for, for tom stab <laughs> yeah. um but your wife your current wife, um, current wife you've never had a wife previously <laughs> but you've just married her 
Hello, darling. She'll be listening. <laughs> hey, Abby. Abby was pro- Abby's probably seen this, but if she hasn't, Abby, this one is definitely for you. Good as, night, as my current wife, Abs, you can watch this film when I'm out doing something else. So is it on? Is it on Netflix? Then? It's on Amazon. Right. Okay. It's on Amazon. Um, and um, yeah, it's great. It's it's a surprising film. It's one of those ones where you don't expect a lot from because what expectations do you have of an Austrian movie? Mm. Um, but it just absolutely blows you away. And it's um, in 2015, I think, when it kind of reached wider audiences. It was on a lot of people's best uh, end of year lists as a best horror film. Yeah, and this film is also um, very critically acclaimed. This one mm-hmm. also got a score of 81 out of 100 um, on Metacritic, which is probably better than Rotten Tomatoes or the IMDb score. Metacritic is more of a better aggregate, I, I find. Um, and uh, if you're into this type of thing, the National Board of Review names Goodnight Mummy as one of the top five foreign language films of 2015. I think it's probably the best foreign language horror uh, of that year for sure. How recently did you see, did you see this? Um, I saw this uh, pretty soon after it came out. I can't okay. remember if I saw it at a film festival or just in the, in the, in the cinema. Mm. Um, but yeah, and the central performances by the, by the twins are, is incredible. Really, really good. Um, and then Elias and Lucas Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they yeah. look, again, they look terrifying. I'm looking at pictures, like some of them are from, you, like, you're like, one picture they're from the premiere and they're looking like really nice and smart <laughs> and suited and then you turn to the next one they look terrifying. Just never trust the twins. Never trust twins. I, I used to, and this is, I used to go to school with um, some twins and um, they were devious. They were devious. <laughs> so one of them... So I was just taking a swig of beer <laughs> Devious was not the word I was expecting you to say. Well, like, okay, one of them, um, just because he wanted an extra 30 minutes in exams, pretended that he had um, dyslexia. Right. And I'm like, did they even test you? No, I just said I had dyslexia. And you wow. get an extra 30 minutes in exams. Wow. So he's there. And a laptop. Taking his time. <laughs> I don't know if he's got a laptop. Um, but yeah, twins. Um, <laughs> in summary, twins. twins. Um, and so yes, that's Goodnight Mummy, available on Amazon right now uh, across the world. And uh, that's my second choice of what cool. to watch on Netflix. Tom Stab, what is your second choice? So I hope uh, this isn't too much of a vanilla choice or in that so many people have seen it that they're just going to skip past this. Um, don't skip past it. What I'm about to say is solid gold. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's Ozark, which I know you haven't seen. I haven't. Everyone keeps telling me to watch yeah. it. So this is great that you brought it up. How, how come you haven't seen it? It's just too much to watch. There's way too much to watch. And I'm busy watching Star Trek. Yeah. And You're loving Star Trek, aren't oh, I'm you? I'm loving Star Trek. I haven't okay. had it as a choice yet because I'm waiting for a few more episodes before I kind of right. put my neck on the line. Yeah. Uh, but so far, it's great. Four episodes in. So um, Ozark, for those of you who uh, aren't familiar with it or may have seen it on uh, Netflix but not sort of investigated or read anything about it, um, it's a crime drama uh, starring uh, Arrested Developments, Jason Bateman and Laura Linney. Now, despite Jason Bateman's involvement, it is not a comedy in any way, shape or form. Really? I'm a big fan of Teen Wolf too. <laughs> but actually, I think Bateman's been in quite a few things that aren't, aren't comedies. He was in yeah. uh, The Gift, wasn't it? Was it The Gift that he was in, yes, a horror was film? He? Oh, was he? Oh, wow. Okay. I know he was in um, oh, some more... He was in oh, that Will Smith vehicle. Um, he's been in a bunch of things actually. But I mean, uh, one thing that was kind of surprising, I mean, I know that he's been in things that aren't comedies, yeah. but I don't think I've seen him in anything that's not yeah. a comedy. So I've only seen him in, you know, Arrested Development, Development yeah, etc. Where, where he's brilliant. But quite interestingly, and I think quite a lot of people make the same joke when they're watching Ozark, they mm. turn to whoever they're watching it with and go, don't rate this new series of Arrested <laughs> Development much. Because he's not playing a character too far removed in the way that he delivers a lot of his lines because in Arrested Development uh, Jason Bateman's character is sort of the straight man he's the deadpan character and everyone's wild around him yeah yeah. exactly so whereas in this he kind of he almost it's almost like he's performing Mm -hmm. in Arrested Development but in this series because he's (laughs) he's like sometimes he's quite sarcastic sometimes he's he's very he plays a very smart character okay um, uh, a quick wit um, and very uh, sort of quick and 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 fast at thinking on his feet okay. because he has to do that a lot in this series where he's presented with you know he's in danger mm-hmm. he's you know potentially about to get shot in the head right, and well, okay. and sort of uh, he's he's kind of switches to survival mode very very easily and knows the right thing to say so in order to get out of the system. Because so yeah, the sorry, we kind of skipped kind of 
confuses well, I didn't know, me. I didn't know what yeah. Ozark meant. It's 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 a, it's an area. It's a place. Right. The Ozarks is sort of like a series of, or like a a group of lakes okay. um, in Missouri. Okay. Um, so which is where they have to relocate to. So um, I'll, I'll I'll I've jumped ahead a little bit. So in terms of um, the, the plot. Bateman plays uh, a financial planner called Marty Bird. Uh, Laura Linney. Why are you laughing? I do not know. <laughs> do you not like the name Marty Bird? Just because I know he turns into a werewolf in King Wolf 2. <laughs> what thinking, does he turn into a bird in this one? No, he does That's not funny. turn into a bird. Okay. Um, and Laura Linney plays uh, his wife. He, so he's, he's What's a her fun, name? Uh, Wendy. Wendy Bird. Wendy, Wendy no, Bird. That's, that's Wendy Bird, yeah. I had to think okay. that for a second. Um, so he is forward-facingly a financial planner, very successful sort okay. of um, finance man. Behind the scenes, and this is all sort of stuff that is is uh, established very quickly in the, in the first episode. Yeah. Um, he is a money launderer for a big Mexican drug lord. Uh, um, so he he cleans all the money for this drug lord. And through his business. Through his business. Okay. And helps him uh, uh, to do it because he, you know, we... we, we as the series goes on, you get the flashbacks as to how he came to be in this position. Yeah. And you, you, I mean, you, you've worked out already, but he's, he's incredibly smart, incredibly good with numbers. He's the best at what he does. Right, okay. And therefore this Mexican drug Lord has kind of, um, handpicked him. And there's almost like a little bit of a sardonic nature to him. He kind of, uh, again, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler where in the episode further on in the series, the, the, the drug Lord is trying to convince him to, to work for him yeah. and he kind of like he's a, he's attracted to the danger mm-hmm. he's attracted to that sense of 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 uh, you know of something illegal um and his wife is as well they're kind of they're kind of in it together okay um sounds and, a little bit like breaking bad or something Besides yeah i can i can i can i can i can see sort of uh i can see parallels there with the bateman character definitely yeah. he's he's attracted to the danger and actually i think secretly quite likes it yeah. um but then it turns out that uh, he has a business partner who has who has not been uh, playing ball, and um, I'll try. It's very difficult to talk about it without giving yeah, away spoilers. Spoil it for me, but yeah. it, it. But basically, as a result of this, he has to clean an insane amount of money, right, okay. and he relocates his entire family to the Ozarks in order to do this because he says that there is a way that he can clean an obscene amount of money right. in a very quick period of time if he goes to this particular area. And like I say, awesome. he's kind of on survival okay. mode. Um, it sounds actually really exciting because I thought it was just going to be like stuff about like leases of houses or something. I don't know. No, well, I mean, it's... it's I, there's a there's a trend in this first episode which I'm noticing more and more in these Netflix series and these sort okay. of these big series is that so much happens in the first series, in these, epi- in these series, because there's so much to watch on Netflix, yeah. because there's so much... Uh, so many series com- and streaming services competing um, for your attention. Yeah. They put so much in the first episode because you have to start strong. Yeah. You have to start an episode and grab people by the bollocks and yeah. go, right, you have to watch this. We've got you. Mm-hmm. We No, sorry, we have to write something or we have to f- make something that grabs people's attention yeah. instantly. Because if you don't have them by the end of the first episode, they're going to go, did you like that? Do you want to watch the next one? No, not really. I'm not really into it. So, exactly. so much happens. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so good because the pace doesn't really let up. Or if it does, it's a little bit further into the series, by which time you've invested in the characters and you're yeah. up for going back in time mm-hmm. and finding out how they come to get came to this position. Yeah. Which I think is a really interesting sort of trait and 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 thing that, that the these series are doing, like packing so much into like almost like a feature film's worth of entertainment and story and, and, and condensed, uh, condensed yeah. into an hour. So yeah. it's like bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And the first episode is awesome. Oh, awesome, I'm awesome, awesome. Gonna watch awesome. It. Just the word of mouth on this, just ev- literally everyone's telling me to watch it. Yeah, and, and the performances across the board are incredible. Jason yeah. Bateman and Laura Linney in this show are okay. amazing. The kids are annoying, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're as, you know, kids tend to be yeah. annoying. They're, they're a little bit wet, but... Yeah. Any they're, twins? They're still got no twins, no twins I'm afraid. Okay, there, are, there, is a, there is sort of like a hillbilly family right. where there's sort of like uh, big brothers and sisters, uh, big family brothers and sisters. Right. And in that sort of hillbilly... Uh, family there's uh, a, a young girl in the family called Ruth who kind of the dad's in prison she goes to meet him quite a bit she's almost like the leader of the family because she's got the she's smarter than the entire family yeah. um she's got the brains and the 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 girl that plays her um an actress called Julia Garner is amazing okay. amazing amazing she's a great character I'll look out for her. um i mean she's one of the central characters she's awesome and then there's like a 
there's FBI agents who are on the you know know that the 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 birds are up to something, mm-hmm. but they don't know what it is, and they're trying to work out. And it's like there's a whole sort of um, uh, story arc about the the FBI agent trying to infiltrate his way into undercover into the into um, into his life to try and work out what's going on. Yeah. He's probably the most inter- one of the most interesting, if not the most interesting character, the okay. FBI agent, um, which is really interesting. Yeah, there's 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 it's a great series. Again, it's it's shot in these lakes in Missouri. And again, the scenery and the filmmaking is, is fantastic. Um, I really, really recommend it. I'm sure a lot of people listening to it have seen it and loved it, but I kind of, I knew you hadn't seen it. So I I wanted to talk to you. So it's nice to talk to someone who hasn't seen it. Yeah. Cause I I actually didn't know it was about. No one's actually, cause I was like, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. I'll watch it. But like hearing just a little snippets of it, it does sound right up my street. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's 10 episodes. Um, uh, nine one-hour episodes and then a feature-length episode at the end. Oh, wow, okay. And it has been renewed for a second series. So um, coming uh, next year. So um, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's really awesome. Cool. Well, I will definitely stick that on my list of a billion things I'm meant to be watching. Um, my final choice of what to watch on Netflix is uh, something that is a spin-off of one of the greatest horror films of all time. Yes, it's the Exorcist TV show. Um, when I heard that they were making an Exorcist TV show, I was like, nope, count me out. This is going to be absolute dog poo. Um, I didn't want anything to do with it. And I saw other people. You didn't want anything to do with it. I'm not getting involved. The producers were calling (laughs) me. They said, Jed, we need you to make this a reality. I will not pick up the phone. Um, so, but then I started hearing when it, when it first aired, I started hearing little things like people saying, oh, it's actually not that bad. Mm. And then it kind of grew into actually this is good and fi- and then finally it took t- like about halfway through the season people were like this is essential viewing wow um so i jumped in about halfway through the, f- the run of the first season and absolutely blew-, blew me away um i was expecting a rehash of the film absolutely not it it, it takes the film and grows upon it um it's, it has a-list stars well if you count gina davis as a-list yeah hell yeah um and she is incredible in it and her character is uh, a mother who's dealing with the fact that her daughter is possessed um and you kind of get clues that is possessed by the same demon pazuzu as possessed um reagan in uh, the original Exorcist film, mm-hmm. he, he's basically back doing similar things. So this is set present day. This is like a, this is present day. This is like the same universe, same yeah. like exactly setup, the same universe. Just... And as the as the series progress, you realise the connections to the first film are stronger than ah, first portrayed. Nice. Um, yeah, so you've also got some of the same tropes as in, in the film. You've got um, priests, mm-hmm. some priests who are kind of losing their faith a little bit. Some priests that don't believe um, in exorcisms, they just mm-hmm. think it's a, a thing from the past. Some people, that's their day job, that's what they do. Um, and you've got this one particular priest who's just a badass ex- exorcist who um, has dreams about um, this particular demon, so is searching around the world for this particular demon mm-hmm. and uh luckily it's almost on his doorstep um someone in america and the way that the demon is portrayed in this is a bit different than in the film um the demon is portrayed as an old like an old man that kind mm-hmm. of whispers in the girl's ear um so you see you the... see an old man right, creep, okay. creeping around and you just think oh he just looks like a weirdo um <laughs> but yeah he's as old men tend to yeah, do yeah you know when you get to that certain age when you turn into a bit of a monster and he, he kind of whispers weird things into, into this girl's ear makes her do outrageous things um violent things really really violent things mm. um and there's also this kind of uh, one of the subplots is there's this particular kind of cult that's out there that is all about um, demons and they're trying to kind of raise, become demons and, and raise demons. Mm. So there's a, there's a lot of things going on in this, but there was a, about halfway through this series, the point where everyone was like, this is essential viewing. When you get to that point um, and there's a big reveal, which I can't say, there's a big reveal and you realise that... They've almost tricked you for the first half of the season, and the real the real story starts, um, and it just gets it's so good. Um, so is uh, is William Freakin involved in it in any way, shape, um, or form? Or? No, Freakin isn't, but um, um, it was created by a guy called Jeremy Slater, mm-hmm. and obviously it's kind of 
there are touchstones from the original film so mm. i guess his influence is quite strong throughout it um the music's brilliant and the acting's brilliant um it's got ben daniels as father marcus Keane, um and alfonso herrera who's brilliant as father thomas ortega and he's the guy um father thomas ortega is the guy that's kind of having troubles with his faith he's fallen in love with with a, a, a married woman right. and um yes he was going through that issue. His faith is being tested yeah and the demon likes to rub that in, in, in his <laughs> face um um but yeah the performances by the children are incredible because they have to do some outrageous things mm. um and it's genuinely scary for, for a horror show there are only a few kind of horror shows out there that can actually scare you i think one of them is american horror story in some bits mm. um walking dead has a tendency to do it but exorcist all the way through is just so unnerving so is this just is this one series that's come out or is it one season so far but the, right. uh, season two has just started i think uh, episode one of season two um yeah uh, uh, oh no, we are now on episode three so i need to continue to catch up <laughs> um and it airs um every friday in america so we get it in um here maybe on the weekend um, are you uh are you able to watch that legally in this country um good question <laughs> good question uh yeah you can it's available on i believe it's sky one i oh, know it's on fox okay. so you can watch it if you have uh, i think fx here yeah uh, and that has a lot of of good shows so you, that's how you can watch american horror story mm-hmm. um so yeah you can watch it legally um if you don't have that channel there are various other ways you can watch it too um it's highly recommended um for fans of horror films or just fans of gina davis in general because i haven't seen gina for many many years mm. um so seeing her again in such a great role for her it's perfect um is 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 a thing to behold. Eight point two on uh, IMDb as yeah, well. So yeah, again, pretty that's a well high score for a TV show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so if you watch, um, if you've watched the film The Exorcist and you, and you like that, you will definitely, definitely love this. Again, my current wife would probably be interested in oh, that. Oh, your current wife, your your your, <laughs> your past wives, because <laughs> uh, Tom's dad is Henry VIII, um, would not appreciate it. But um, yeah, I recommend it. If you don't want to watch it, definitely give Abby the heads up. Cool. Um, yeah, that's my final choice of what to watch on Netflix. Tom, what is yours? So I'm going back to the world of documentaries. Um, although not a sort of one-off documentary, an actual sort of serial, serialized documentary. Okay. Um, again, it's a Netflix um, produced um, show. It's uh, called Chef's Table. Have you ever watched any Chef's I've Table? I've seen it pop up on my feed, but I've, I've never clicked on it so the the basic premise is that each episode um in the series profiles um uh, a single chef um a a a world-renowned restaurant um and uh they go sort of off the beaten track a little bit like Mm -hmm. there are there are episodes where it's like this is a restaurant in la this is a restaurant in london etc but they're all kind of famous big yeah yeah Uh, this is this is one in italy for example but they will go to places where you wouldn't necessarily assume you know they have world-class restaurants so um uh South Korea, uh, Slovenia, uh, <laughs> maybe, but I mean, it's like, no, you, no, I, I, but, I but what's interesting yeah. is that they will, they will go and follow these people. And so many of them are, you know, they've been and they've trained in these really high end French, yeah. uh, Cordon Bleu, um, uh, 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 restaurants in, in sort of France mm-hmm. and they're coming back to their homes and they're making food based on the local ingredients, based uh, on the history the of where they live, things, yeah. but, but, but uh, with a modern, tr- with a modern twist. Yeah. Um, so it's created by a guy called David Gleb who, um, who, uh, made the, critically acclaimed documentary hero dreams of sushi have you heard of that you've seen that yeah Yeah, yeah. so for oh great i never knew it was like a similar thing yeah actually the poster looks a bit similar to i mean if the poster is quite arty and and that kind of gives you an indication of how this program is made i'll go into that in in a little bit but yeah hero dreams of sushi an amazing documentary about a a sort of 80 85 year old sushi maker at this Mm -hmm. three-star sushi restaurant which is in a tokyo subway um i highly highly recommend you go away and watch that documentary it's one of my favorite documentaries ever awesome um but yeah so anyway the, the the i think the thing that makes this stand out i'm i'm a big lover of food programs yeah and i could watch them for for hours and hours on yeah. end i absolutely love them me, me too yeah. the thing that kind of makes this stand apart from everything else is just the sheer quality of the filmmaking mm-hmm. 
it is incredible. Like even if you have no interest in food or you have no interest in any of the food that's being made, but you really like appreciate well-made, beautifully shot, interestingly uh, uh, made documentaries Mm -hmm. with some really interesting characters. Some of the people that they go and meet are so fascinating and interesting because they're so... Um, I guess an obsessive, obsessive, yeah. creatively driven, yeah. uh, uh, detail focused, passionate people who truly believe in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. In a similar sort of way, that I was talking about the Lady Gaga thing. Like it's, it's yeah. di- a different type of creativity, mm-hmm. but the same kind of drive and vision and uh, determination to 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 visualize and to create what they have in their minds yeah. and to do it right. Um, I guess it's a yeah, similar process, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's, it's making art, mm, really. Yeah. I mean, and you look at some of the dishes and they are art. They are yeah. incredible. And yeah, like I said, the, the, just the quality of the filmmaking is stunning. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Towards the end of each episode, they kind of, when they're sort of, the 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 the, the, the chef that they're focusing on might do like a, uh, like a, uh, a wrap up or like talking about like what makes them tick or what, you know, their vision is or how they've come to this point. Yeah. They'll do a little montage of all the dishes mm-hmm. or a lot of the dishes on the menu with the names and stuff like that. And yeah. just that, that section is, is just some of the most incredible, like looking uh, uh, footage in any documentary I've ever seen. It's so amazingly shot. Um, my favorite episode, I'll just talk about that quickly is, I think it's the third episode in the fir- in the first series, um, which follows a chef called uh, Nikki Nakayama, who runs a restaurant called N Naka. In is his nickname a- Nick Nak? It's a she. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> N slash N A K A in in L A. Okay, and she um, she has she she does a type of cuisine called uh, kaiseki. I think it's called, okay. which is um, a kind of a style of Japanese cookery that is many courses so rather right. than you know your standard sushi or or um or ramen or stuff like that it's kind of like the japanese equivalent of fine dining and it's like many many courses yeah. many many small courses sounds good to me yeah i mean <laughs> again like they show where she went to in japan to learn about this and it looks okay. incredible but her story basically she she's the daughter of uh, uh, in, a, in a japanese family and yeah. in japanese uh families the the the, the firstborn or well, certainly anyone on the male side of the family in terms of children are sort of revered and held up yeah. to be uh, the most important member of the family. And, and, and you know, the, the, there's nothing really expected of the daughters. And the son had every opportunity, had everything kind of given to him on a plate. Mm-hmm. And he is basically a failure. Like he has <laughs> failed at every, like every business that he's tried to run, right, every okay. job that he's had, he's lost. He's, he's ultimately a bit of a failure. Mm-hmm. And she talks about like how that impacted her as a child and growing up and like how she was meant to feel worthless. And like wow. she, she decided that she wanted to be a chef and yeah. she opened this sushi restaurant okay. and she was doing it and she was just like, I'm, I'm making sushi, but I'm not really, this isn't really doing it for me. The restaurant was doing well yeah. as well. And she was like, there's so much more that I can be doing this. I've got so much more creativity in me than just, you know, doing sushi rolls yeah. and stuff like that. So she went to Japan and she learned about this, this, um, this many course style of, of, of cooking in Japan. And then she came back and opened her restaurant and like, where was she based? Sorry. In LA, oh, this wow, restaurant's okay. in LA. Right, yep. So you, you kind of invest in her and you go with her on this journey about like learning about her childhood and growing up and stuff like that. And the journey that she's been on to get to where she is. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, you know, my parents never believed in me. They never gave me like really much encouragement or love. And, and they gave everything to my brother, gave everything to him on a plate. And I've had to work yeah. so, so hard for this. And, you know, I've met, you know, all the people that I'm, I'm close with my friends and it reveals that, um, uh, her partner she works with is her sous chef and okay. like they're a lesbian couple and like ah. it reveals that like they're kind of because you've been seeing them nice. working together and stuff like that yeah. and then it re- it's revealed that they're, they're a couple right. and it's really beautifully um, uh, and sensitively done yeah. and it th- that kind of goes in line with what I mean about the style of the filmmaking the filmmaking as well as the the subject matter is is beautiful and it's beautifully handled and really interesting and mm-hmm. really um, fascinating. Yeah. So 
I, if you're interested in food and you're interested in, in, in great filmmaking, I cannot recommend this series enough. I absolutely love it. Well, yeah. Um, well, that sounds that sounds uh, right up my street. Um, um, I, I used to love kind of cookery shows, but I think the mm. pinnacle for me was sh- shows like uh, Floyd on France. Oh, just ones. getting battered. <laughs> yeah, he just gets drunk. Throw some throw some fish in a pan. Boom, done. Credits. Lovely <laughs> stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just always like one for the pot, one for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, yeah, if 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 you if you're interested in in, in cookery and you've seen uh, and cooking programs and you've seen that on your on your Netflix and you've yep. never um, you just thought it might be just another cooking show or whatever it is so so much more than okay. that and I really really recommend it that's great well thank you that's your final choice it is What's, um, and it, well, this, is this also your final time um, playing Scissors Papers Rock well do I have what? to retire now is that how <laughs> yeah, it works you just, you just are you like Highlander there can you, be only one yeah you, you'd be <laughs> been knocked out of the league it's basically like Pokemon well I suggested it and now I feel foolish <laughs> yeah. but I did warn you I've never been beaten true you did so you I did, did. <laughs> did warn you um, okay guys well that's uh, it that's six great choices so let's give a quick round up can you remember I did Beyond <laughs> the Gates The Exorcist TV show and Goodnight Mummy uh, yeah, and mine were uh, Five Foot Two, the Lady Gaga documentary on Netflix, uh, Ozark, also on Netflix, and Chef's Table, also on Netflix. Great. And um, just a quick quick update of uh, what I am doing uh, with this particular podcast. Um, next week, I'm at Comic-Con, a London MCM Comic-Con, um, doing a few shows with this particular podcast there. Um, I have to go onto the, the Comic-Con website to figure out who my guests are, because there's loads of guests. So, okay, so on one of the days, on the Sunday, because it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 27th, 28th, 29th of October, on the Sunday, I will on my podcast will be Murder Dolls frontman. Yes, that's right. Wednesday thirteen from the Murder Dolls, um, he will be on my uh, What to Watch on Netflix panel, being joined by Jason Arnup, who is a horror writer, and we'll be discussing. Um, their films, their projects, and also What to Watch on Netflix. Um, and then on Friday keeping with the metal theme um i've got legend metal legend danny filth from cradle of filth that's incredible can you believe that um so danny filth um he's ready to rock mcm london comic-con with me on the friday um not too sure what time these panels are just turn up in the morning um and it's danny filth um also uh we'll be joined by authors grady hendrix and ian dosha who sound great and i know they are also writers and horror writers um it's gonna be great we're gonna be talking about horror and music and i'm also doing a non-podcast panel um with uh, all these metal icons at comic-con yeah because i'm apparently an expert in metal yeah you are absolutely that's right yeah you're gonna go out and buy suitable attire or black well you're wearing a black t-shirt tonight that's true so yeah who do you recommend me i listen to to be an expert in, in in metal uh, oh, I mean, Cradle of Filth, surely. I should listen to Cradle of Filth. <laughs> should, you know. I yeah, yeah. And also listen to some Murder Dolls and Wednesday 13. And that's I don't true. know, just Slipknot. And, oh, have you seen that video that's gone viral recently of the guy listening to Rage Against the Machine for the first time? No. It's a guy who's got a, he's got a guy, a guy who's got a YouTube series where okay. he gets people to like, he's a hip hop dude. Like, right, he's okay. a rap guy. And he uh, asks people to send him like rock and metal bands to listen to. And he drives around in his car amazing, listening okay. to the album. So he's done like Slipknot, Linkin Park. <laughs> Uh, Limp Biscuit and this one that's just got like all his videos have got maybe like between ten and 15,000 yeah. views but this well when I watched it about four or five days ago mm-hmm. I think it's probably gone a bit more viral yeah. than this. it's probably gone up um, he's listening to the first Rage Against the Machine album okay. and I just I won't spoil it <laughs> okay. but it's one of the most heartwarming amazing oh, nice. lovely things because he just gets he has never heard this music before and yeah. he's just like because of the sort of the racial and political um issues and uh, overtones dominating sort of mainstream uh-huh. american news and global news at the moment like there's so much in that lyrics in, in their lyrics about yeah. fighting the power and about mm-hmm. like you know uh, being anti-establishment and anti-police corruption yeah. and stuff like that from the early 90s yeah. that he's connecting with in 2017 and he's just like and he's so into the music and so into the lyrics it's such an awesome video Ooh, go check that out always up for a bit of rage um, and uh, yeah and also on the Saturday for fans on my other podcast The Pilot um, myself and Rob Jelly are doing a special version of The Pilot podcast more details if you go and listen to that podcast next week um, 
yeah and that's it thanks very much for coming on Tom's Stab always a pleasure Jed yeah and again if you guys want to listen to more of Tom's Stab uh, you can do so by calling his number which is 07 <laughs> <laughs> beep 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 it out <laughs> you can catch him on uh, Monkey Tennis the Alan Partridge fan podcast which is bloody great yep go on to iTunes go on to Acast search Monkey Tennis download the whole lot and, rate, rate uh, and subscribe tell and, your friends yeah and tell your friends and uh, come to the live show on the uh, 22nd of November at the Prince, Prince Charles, Charles Cinema, Cinema in London's <laughs> Leicester Square indeed thanks very much for listening guys I will see you next week and at Comic Con if you come in come and say hi you should go please do <laughs> are you coming uh, yeah on the Friday excellent see you right. there